Welcome everyone to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Taylor Marshall, with Cammy. Hey, Cammy. Hi, Brian. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad so far as our world crumbles around us. Yeah, it's getting bad out there. So this podcast goes in every week. We talk about a random story, history, myth, legend, what have you, and we will try and uh, give you a nice tale, and then we'll jump into the history behind it. And we had, uh, it's a funny how we got to this, today's topic. We wanted, you know, I, if you've listened to the show, you know that I love Byzantium, and and there's the famous, Cammy had a great idea, the famous Justinian Plague, which was one of the 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 first major outbreak of the bubonic plague and while she started doing some research on that well you came across this other story can you just give us a little blimp just so i don't steal yeah my... no it's i don't want to go too far into sure. it but it is the story of the plague town of im im yes 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 So this was during another, not really one of the major outbreaks, but yeah, we're talking about the bubonic plague, specifically how it affected this little English town in uh, like the north of England. We do have a couple of ghost stories associated with this, Yeah, so it's very interesting. Right. So, and I just, there's an irony we realized once we were starting getting closer to recording this episode of the COVID-19 coronavirus situation (laughs) as it consumes our lives. So I don't know if it's cheesy that we're doing this at this time, if it's appropriate, not like it's inappropriate. This wasn't inspired by that. It was just sort of where we came to. It was very timely. (laughs) Yeah. So we hope that it just kind of gives you uh, an interesting story and... Uh, if I hope this isn't too um, the too subject on the of nose. yeah. So anyway, Cammy, um, tell us what you got. So in 1666, the village of Eam, England, received a bundle of cloth from London. A local tailor had ordered the cloth so he could make clothes for a religious festival. The bundle arrived damp, so the tailor hung it up in his house to dry. Little did he know it was covered in fleas. And during this time in London, there was a plague outbreak, and it was the specifically the bubonic plague, which is carried by fleas. So George Vickers, who was the tailor's assistant, was the first to fall ill, and he died shortly after feeling sick. The plague would end up claiming 260 people in this small village of somewhere between 350 to 800 people. Some villagers decided to flee for their lives, but William... Montpesson, the rector, called, an, called on an exiled reverend, Thomas Stanley, for help. On June 24th, 1666, Montpesson called, the town, t- called a town meeting, and he and Stanley convinced the villagers to remain in their town to prevent the spread of the disease. The entire village decided to make a vow of sacrifice. No one left. From a nearby hill... The people from neighboring villages watched in horror as entire families buried their own. One woman buried her husband and six children. In the course of seven days. Was it seven days? Yeah, seven or eight yeah. days. Yeah. So a trading system had to be established and food was brought to the town. It was like, I think it was, it was brought to like some stone or something that they, you know, like a meeting place. And the food and other supplies were left. The villagers would leave coins that they had disinfected in vinegar mm. as payment. So they knew enough about disease yeah. at that time to know that, that vinegar would uh, would disinfect it. In November of 1666, the plague claimed its last victim, Abraham Morton. 
The sacrifice these people made meant the neighboring villages never had to contend with the virus. Their efforts had succeeded, even though the ones who sacrificed the most would never know that their plans had worked. Wow. Yeah. So I've got a couple of ghost stories surrounding this village. That's great. Because it was severely affected by the Black Plague, and, and like I said, it was somewhere between a third to two-thirds of the people, depending yeah. on, you know, which which source is correct on that. They didn't have accurate census data, I guess. Right. Time, but they had been wiped out. So the Miner's Arms, which is, it's a pub now, but it's also like a uh, sort of bed and breakfast type of thing. Okay. Uh, there are footsteps that are commonly heard with no one to attribute them to. Many guests have decided to leave before their stay was up because... Things like doors would open and close by themselves and stuff like that. Uh, there was also a fire that claimed two girls, and this was later. Mm-hmm. This was when it was actually the Miner's Arms because before it was something else. or mm-hmm. It might have been where the plague people were buried or something. But two teenagers died in the fire. Their names were Sarah and Emma, and they can be heard late at night calling to each other by name. E.M. Hall also boasts some strange occurrences that are related to, I mean, who knows what really, but they attribute them to like plague victims, Mm -hmm. but says some stuff like that are heard there too. But the spirit of Sarah Mills, who was drowned in the village. Well, part of that. Yeah. At one point, the ghostly activity was so bad in one location. The current villagers actually went looking for the curse. Mm -hmm. Like they assumed that, you know, there was something causing all the disruption. And they found a bundle that was buried that was wrapped in cloth. Mm. And fearing that it was related to the plague, they actually burned it. And then the activity stopped. So <gasps> Fairies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, wow. what I have. Yeah. That's really great. Just the, I, it, it's just, to me, it's so touching the, the sacrifice that these people made. I mean, they knew they were going to die. That's, a, that's an awareness. Yes. Um, that's like a really astute awareness here. Uh, 1666. I mean, that's that's past the two major outbreaks of the bubonic plague. Um, this was the, I guess, London outbreak. Yeah, and, and that's you know, I, looking into the bubonic plague, it never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it's it just doesn't murder everybody. That's that's kind of how it goes. Um, Justinian's was the big one in 600, and then 1300 was the Black Death. And I feel like it. it I mean. There was even a, a third wave of the bubonic plague in uh, eighteen ninety four. Um, it never reached the numbers that it reached today, but it like uh, the World Health Organization kind of says that it didn't end really until the fifties because the death counts. Where was that? That in China it started, oh, okay. but it even came to you know there was a huge Chinese migrant population in California, mm-hmm. and it, it spread there and actually spread through America for a little while. I guess like. Ships with rats that have fleas yeah, on them. Yeah, absolutely. And even passengers. I mean, the migrant community was huge because the workers that were needed and America's crazy policies against Chinese immigrants were terrible and kept a lot of people out, but um, probably subdued the rate the, the plague was able to move. But either way, it's yeah, it was big. I mean, it wasn't until the 50s until, the, the, the like I said, the World Health Organization was able to kind of be like, all right, not enough people are dying daily for us to say that it's really a pandemic. But for... This country or this village, uh, like I said, it's a very s- small village. It's 
population today, or sorry, in the 2011 census was 969. So, and, and yeah, and you're right. It was refuted. Um, Some sources say they had as many as 800 people during that time with 400 survivors or um, 83 out of 350. So kind of either way, I mean, it was, it's always been a very small village. I mean, if you can think in your mind, tiny, cozy English village, like like the one from Hot Fuzz is a great idea. Right. Yeah. That's that's this is that village. It's very tiny. It's very small. And um, so it wasn't like a where where it is on a map. I I don't think it was like a super essential stop for anyone. But it was definitely a part of the 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 community of England still. So for it to no, like knowingly go through that was a huge deal. And yeah, that I I did come across that too. Uh, a woman with it was eight days. There, there's this Ian's website discusses it um you're talking about the woman that had the barrier family that's right yeah who survived so emvillage.org.uk it's it's a really nice little website it's well made that you can look at and it's like a it's a mini tourist attraction but it discusses how there's this weird yeah it so the way it puts it is it is also known as this known that some of the village population were genetically unique and naturally immune to this very deadly disease there are still descendants of this line in Eam. So I thought that was cool that there's still people around that were in there in 1666. But yeah, that's this, there's this weird idea of immunity. And now, so I did a brief kind of look at the bubonic plague that I've, I've mentioned on. It, ne- it never really talked about immunity. Um. Okay, so the Mompesson, William Mompesson, yeah. he was an outsider of the village to begin with, and he kind of got caught up in the whole thing. Sure. But he thought... That he was immune because he had actually had the plague before. Oh, so they had, yeah, they had some idea of you know awareness. Yeah, Yeah, we we discussed recently with on our uh, episode with uh, Peter that went up last week on Mm -hmm. the Mermaids episode, the miasma theory, which was popular since Greek, ancient Greek times, and and was was very prominent in many medical societies for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. And that's that it, 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 there are waves of air that carry the, the the wind carries these diseases. And so the way that they kind of thought about that they were transferred was way different. Now the bubonic plague, I'll go into it. So it's, it it is the fleas carry it through blood um, in the bites. You, if you get bitten directly by the fleas, that's one way you can get it. Or if you're in contact with, uh, an animal dead or alive or human dead or alive and the fluids from them. That's another way you can get it is from those bacteria. So it's, it's spawning. Yeah. And even it's still, still around today and getting animals, getting it is, is the number one way that it'll transfer to humans. So, and it's messy. Now it's funny too. Uh, if, in case you're wondering, uh, bubon is an old Greek word, which means like groin or abdomen. And uh, that's where one of the lymph nodes that swells um is and so probably it might have i don't know if it was through justinian's time I and mean, they were speaking greek then um but yeah a bubon bubonic you know that's where that kind of comes from and a bubo is uh, a swollen is what is uh, one of the swollen lymph nodes is referred as yeah e- either way in eme there were there was a handful of people uh, at least a quarter of the population was able to survive and it's really weird and this woman seven of her family members was in contact with getting bitten by fleas I mean, dealing with them. And that's, they, they, so Eam had, aside from their like self quarantining and sort of shutting them out from the greater community, their leaders, they had like a, they call him a rector, I believe it was. It was basically like a religious leader. They implemented a few other precautions. Families digging their own graves was a big thing. And there's some really cool, 
there's some memorials in the grave sites that you can still see today. You treat the bubonic plague with antibiotics now. But it's interesting. I mean, Justinian was able to survive the plague, his plague, through extensive treatment is all it kind of says. I didn't really go too into it. We might ourselves. But um, it's really interesting. And also, the, the, they, the village had an unofficial grave digger, Marshall Howe, and he also survived. And he, and he also handled many infected bodies. It's weird. I I don't know uh, what explains it that they weren't able to that they were able to not get completely wiped out. Well, any any disease is going to have people that are naturally sure. immune to it. Yeah, so. yeah, that bacteria. And it's funny. I mean, it, like I said, it's still around today. I, I as soon as we started looking into it, I remember last May a couple was in Mongolia and died of it when they were hunting. So it, it's 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 mainly apparent in countries like the Democratic Republic of Congo. Even Peru had a few cases. Or those are the countries with the highest death, the, the developing countries that don't have the infrastructure like that right. we do today, the modern infrastructure and antibiotics readily available. Uh, yeah, I mean, but this is, the bubonic plague is, there was a cool link to the Black Death. I mean, the Black Death killed, I think it was 50 million or something like that, insane number. Yeah, I think it was, no, was that the Spanish flu? Probably both. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, one, like, thing I saw was that after these plagues, the economies would heavily change because labor became important again. It, it was it gave you gave you a better wage and it made work oh, wow. more. Yeah, if you think about it, because you have less workforce to uh, less of a pool. I mean, if you got to build a building and you just need some dudes to run around with some wood, you don't have a, that accessible pool anymore. Um, so it's interesting that these what economic effects that these plagues have. And it's insane how they travel too. Like I mean, I mentioned what the third outbreak. It's also called the modern outbreak. Came from China and ended up you know, hitting America in some cases. But uh, Justinian's plague was linked to Mongolians, or you know, in that era, who attacked Italian merchants, and then it went from there. So oh, wow. yeah, I mean, it's it's so little, and that was a huge, a massive like blow to several countries in the Mediterranean, and then all, it went all through Europe as well. I mean, it went, it starts in Mongolia, these Italian dudes get it, they give it to everyone in the Mediterranean, and then from there it goes through France, Germany, someone goes to England, done. You know, it reminds me a little bit when we were speaking about the Sphinx, I believe. Yeah. And you were talking about oh. all the things that were brought back from Byzantium to the oh. rest of Europe. Yeah, the, like the Renaissance ushering after Constantinople. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it almost follows a similar path in that way. Yeah, yeah. Has humanity, yeah, <laughs> the, the good and the bad, right. as humanity spreads back to what it wants to like see as comfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. This is wild. Um, but yeah, Eam, Eam's still here today. Nine hundred people. I've read it. Yeah, it's just it was like a simple Anglo-Saxon city. It wasn't anything in particularly special. It doesn't really have. I mean, it, it's a really pretty city. I recommend going to its website. Um, but uh, it's it's a very like. Just a simple city and or village, and it's it's absolutely wild. It did a remarkable thing. It really did. Again, it, uh, you know, just to tie it back into today, which I I'm sure, like I said, I'm I'm just tired about hearing it. You know, our like this USC here, it it quickly decided to like shut down, give us an extra week of spring break, and then do online classes for at least two weeks. And there's rumors that some of the, like the public schools will follow, um, like elementary level and stuff like that. Sure. And I remember, like, there was a senator, I can't remember his name, who was chastising it, like, come on, you know, it's chill out, like, and he, he was trying to say, like, you know, that you don't have to panic, you can take care of things, and he was he was saying that it was a panic, but it's like, you know, if we lock it down. Right. Let's you, get on this now. You can lock it down 
and it's okay. It's okay to, to, to do that. And I mean, this is a case study of locking it down yeah. <laughs> in a wild well, I mean, way. It works. Yeah. I do want to go over a couple of my sources. Yeah, please. Too. Yeah. You got um, some really good ones. Yeah. BBC.com, uh, Eam plague, the village of the damned. And I also, for the ghost stories, unexplainedmysteries.com and it was someone called sam it's like thanks sam <laughs> yeah thank you sam appreciate it uh it's not the other sam that we called out no. a few episodes ago but yeah this one it, it was just like a forum and and this person posted like a, a lot of information oh, cool. about that and there's hauntedrooms.co.uk <laughs> and then haunted-britain.com it's fun yeah awesome well everyone uh as Cammy and I break the protocol of social distancing in order to bring you this podcast, um, we hope that you're enjoying it. Let us know uh, on our Facebook page, Mystery. Remember, that's Mystery with an I-E at the end. Um, or you can email us directly at Gmail as well, mystery at gmail.com. But let us know what you think, and uh, we will see you guys next time. <laughs>